I'm Nicole Holcomb, attorney by day and podcaster by night, a former educator, school counselor, and administrator, and mom to a nine-year-old daughter with dyslexia, who loves all things Harry Potter, Minecraft, and science. A few years ago, she was identified with dyslexia, and our life seemed to turn upside down for a while, quite literally. I created the Dyslexia Mom Life podcast to help you navigate the upside down journey of dyslexia. You got this. If you're wanting to thrive as a mom in this dyslexia journey, then you're in the right place. Let's get started. You are listening to the Dyslexia Mom Life podcast, episode 77. I'm your host, Nicole Holcomb, and welcome back to the show. Today, we had planned to end the month of May by having a self-care episode where we were going to share with you all of the self-care tips that our guests shared in the month of May. However, our technology had another plan for us. So we're going to pivot and bring that show back to you a little later, probably a week or so. And in the meantime, I had several requests to hear my story. And so since we are celebrating moms, uh, you know, this is our very last day in May. And I'm so excited that tomorrow starts summer for us here in our with our family. And I know many of you have just a few short weeks until summer begins. But you know what, my friends, we are here. We have made it through yet another school year. Yes, we have made it. So congratulations. I know this has been yet another year that's been unpredictable and you have made it through it. And I'm so proud of you. So today what we're going to do is much like the other episodes that you may have listened to the month of May. And if you haven't listened to the Celebrating Moms episodes, they are definitely binge worthy. So plan over the summer to have some time just pop in your earbuds and take a listen. The interviews are really, you know, people really share their heart and soul. And I think you will really identify with the moms that were on the show sharing their story. And so today, I have some really big shoes to fill as I share with you our dyslexia family story. So our daughter Hattie, when she was in pre-K, started having some, well not started having, but we noticed that we were having some difficulty understanding her speech. There were times that we couldn't understand what she was saying to us. And you've probably heard me tell this part of the story before. I never will forget. Her and my mom loved to cook and bake together, really baking more than cooking. And I can remember that my mom called me just desperate. She said, I can't understand what she's asking me for. And you have to understand, our daughter has always been a very picky eater. So anytime she expressed an interest in something, my mom always tried to make it for her. And you just have to know my mom. She is an amazing baker and an even more amazing cook. And so I'm just delighted that Hattie's able to to learn from her. And I never will forget, they went on for several minutes. And finally, my mom figured out by the way my daughter described what it was, the way they were shaped, how they were sweet, what color they were. And finally, my mom figured out she was saying chess square. And at that point, 
you know, it was one of those moments where she just, she was really struggling to communicate. And that's just one example. She really struggled early on with some of her initial sounds. And we really believed at the beginning of our journey that it was a speech concern, that it was some type of articulation concern. And I too had been in speech uh, when I was young. And so I, you know, I didn't really think a lot of it. We didn't, if, if you haven't heard this part of the story before, uh, neither my husband or I had you know, dyslexia on our radar. We weren't aware that there was anyone in our family that had dyslexia or that one of us may have dyslexia. And so that really wasn't on our radar. But speech seemed like an area that was pretty familiar to us. So we had her in speech services and she had speech at school. And it came a time where, you know, it just, it, it just was really difficult to communicate. And she was starting to physically show her frustration because we couldn't understand what she was saying. And I never will forget her. One day we had a, a friend, a family over who were some soccer friends and they were swinging in the backyard. And, and you may have heard this part of the story before as well, but in case you haven't, <laughs> she was swinging in the backyard. And I never will forget the little girl looked at her and said, swing, that's how you say it. Something like that. She didn't sound, I know that sounded maybe more hateful than she sounded. She was correcting her. And the the problem with that was, you know, Hattie was pronouncing it the only way she could. And so I realized right then, that was probably one of my, my aha moments. I realized right then we were not doing enough. So I buckled down, made a few phone calls, and we added private speech therapy and to this day, 10 years old, she's still in speech therapy and, you know, night and day, night and day in, in the way we can understand her now. And so that's kind of how our journey began. We realized that there was some speech concerns. You know, I remember now looking back, even in pre-K, she, you know, she always had some amazing teachers. We had her at a very small private pre-K school, uh, and we, we stayed there for early elementary years just because of the articulation concerns. And because everyone was familiar with her speech. And I never will forget in pre-K, the teachers got really upset one day and said that her pre-K teacher had kept her in from recess. And she kept her in because she didn't finish coloring something. And I just remember people were so upset at the school. And I finally reached out to her and I said, I'm just, you know, I don't understand what's going on. And so we had a little bit of a conversation about that. But, you know, I guess the point I want to share with you is looking back now, she always struggled. Um, she struggled to keep up with her classmates and she struggled. Uh, some of that, I think, because she probably has a little bit of perfection, you know, perfectionism. But some of that now, I believe, is part of her dysgraphia and maybe even some of her executive functioning. So we didn't know. It wasn't on our radar. And so we continued where we were at, and we went into kindergarten. And in kindergarten, oh my goodness, in kindergarten, I just remember thinking how different kindergarten was now and how academic-focused it was. And, you know, early on the first semester, she was already introduced to sight words and, you know, we worked with her at home a good bit. You know, obviously, we talked about colors and letters and the sounds that letters made, uh, you know, because myself and my husband are both educators. We have educators in our family. And I mean, not that ma that matters, right? I mean, as a parent, you want to give your child the best that you possibly can. But just want to give you a little bit of context to our story. 
So in kindergarten, you know, I think what really stuck out was writing those at the time, at the very beginning of my journey, and that may be where you are, at the very beginning of my journey, I could see her writing her letters and her numbers backwards. Not all of them, but some of them. The typical ones you hear about, the B's and the D's, her fives, always backwards. <laughs> and we we got introduced to sight words. And I remember early on reaching out to the reading specialist, who I didn't know at the time was Orton Gillingham trained and an amazing reading specialist. And we actually talked. And I said, you know, I just have some concerns. I wanted to put this on your radar. And she said, oh, well, don't worry about the sight words. We just kind of, you know, put those out there to see how they'll do. And, and usually it's November, you know, Thanksgiving, Christmas time that we really get serious about the sight words. So it's really just exposure. If she knows them, great. If not, you know, don't, don't get too worried about it. And, of course, at that time we were told the letters and the numbers, as they're learning to write those, it is very, very appropriate developmentally for them to write those backwards. And so we were told to kind of just let's wait and see. So we spent a lot of time, and I, I think I can remember in, in that kindergarten and first grade year, the hardest pieces were those sight words. We would study them all week long, and it, it's like it, I would say click. She just, it just, she, she didn't get them. She couldn't understand them, and we would work and work and work on them, and then Thursday night, we would be sitting in the floor working on those sight words, and this may sound familiar to you. One or two things would happen, usually early on in the night when we'd start studying. She'd either get silly, I want to play silly games and have, you know, do this funny things to get us off task. Or she would just, you know, get busy doing other things. I need water. I need to go to the restroom. You know, all these avoidance pieces. And at the time, I didn't think much of it. Uh, now I know that that was how she was coping with, with the things that she was struggling with. And so at that point, it would be Thursday night, and she just wouldn't know them. And I have to admit, at that point, I was so frustrated as a parent. I was like, we worked and worked all week. I don't, what am I doing wrong? Like, I just couldn't figure out what I was doing wrong. And so we, you know, just continued to hold tight. I continued to talk to the reading specialist. She continued to, to work with the students in the school, especially my daughter, on, on those reading pieces. Again, I didn't know at this point she was OG trained, but we had the benefit of that, not knowing it. <laughs> and, you know, we talked at the end of kindergarten because she became her kindergarten teacher in the spring. And, you know, it was just we went into first grade and we just, you know, we just... As she would say, we, I just can't put my finger on it because of the strong, um, I guess, interference, if you will, with the speech component. The speech component was really what was taking the forefront and really driving the train. Because, you know, if you couldn't understand her and she couldn't communicate with you, I understood most of what she would say at that point. But most people did not. And so there were things that you would miss. And she would, you could tell, you know, it was, it was upsetting to her that we couldn't understand. And, you know, at this point, we were still having speech at school and speech, and speech privately. First grade was better. She, her articulation got a lot better. Uh, she continued with the same students that she was with. So they understood her, you know, pretty well. But the reading just wasn't coming and she, I remember a little bit later, you know, hearing her talk about her f best friend in first grade. She had some older siblings, is what I always said. I don't know if that's the case or not as to why, but we, you know, our daughter's an only child. 
And although she was exposed to reading, it was just different. You know, she wasn't exposed at an early age to her siblings, you know, homework assignments and reading at home as they probably were. But she says, you know, her best friend was reading chapter books and she couldn't read anything. And I just remember in first grade, it was early on, I want to say August, she brought home, this is my other aha moment, (laughs) she brought home some math work. And in that math work, it was columns. And it was like, you know, five plus one, five plus zero, two plus one, whatever. And the and sometimes the numbers would be written like five plus zero right there. And she would still write her five backwards. And I never will forget texting that reading specialist and saying, I have a concern. I, 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 I just, I'm stumped here. And she said, yes, we're starting to have a concern. And so at that point, I pursued testing. Luckily, I worked for the the local school district, and so we were able to get her tested through the local school district. We were told she had a specific learning disability uh, by Christmas, but we were not, uh, there was no communication about dyslexia. But at that point, I realized we did have an Orton-Gillingham specialist at our school. She was able to start working with Hattie privately as well after school, and she actually recommended that we go visit a school uh, that was having kind of a a local uh, person come and speak at the school for parents like us that were new on the journey to what is dyslexia. And ironically, fast forward now to going into fifth grade in the fall, we just finished fourth grade. That's the school she has been at for the last three years and now going into the fourth year in the fall. And it was really an aha moment because as I looked at what was available in the school and then looking at what she had, her first grade teacher said, we're doing all we can do here. There is nothing more we can do. And it just, it broke her heart. She was an amazing first grade teacher and it broke our heart. And as I sat with Hattie and and looked, I never will forget, in, in um I think it was Mother's Day, we were in the classroom and I looked around and the kids had written sentences about their their mothers and I couldn't read her handwriting and I asked her to read it to me. But it had been probably several days that she had written it and she couldn't remember what she wrote and she couldn't couldn't read it to me. And so um, it was a... (laughs) It was really hard, Uh, but at that point, we had already been accepted at a private dyslexia school in Atlanta. We, We actually have several options here, which we're very blessed for, and so we were able to put her in a immersion school. And that's that was that was kind of where we really started making some progress. And so, in this immersion school that she's in, every teacher is Orton Gillingham trained. She gets a dedicated reading time every day. And the first two years, it was just her and one other student. I believe this last year, there were maybe four students in her small group. But even through the pandemic, every morning at 8 a.m., our teacher would show up for us over Zoom and we would have our reading our reading lesson with her. So that has been very consistent for us. The other thing is that 
that not only do they do that, but they also have the multi-sensory approach to how they approach their their curriculum in general. And they do a lot of um, crossing the midline and getting the kids outside and, you know, just giving them what they call mind breaks, where they get to get up and walk around or go outside for 10 minutes. And I'm sure it's refreshing to the teachers as well, because it's just a different way to approach learning. But it, you know, it's all these research-based um, and, and scientifically, you know, research-based methods that they're using and the approaches that they're using that they know is successful specifically with children with dyslexia. And so her school is 100% dyslexic. So it's not that that is the only, um, I guess, identification that they work towards. Obviously, our kids, what I like to call the dyslexia sisters, <laughs> many of us have other things that our children are struggling with from, you know, dysgraphia. Uh, It could be executive functioning. It could be ADHD, anxiety. There's just many things that go along with dyslexia, but that underlying diagnosis has to be dyslexia to be served at her school. And so that's where she's been. We transitioned out of that very small private school in first grade. We sold our house and we moved, mm, I want to say about 60 miles across Atlanta and we started over again, really. We started jobs. We had a new neighborhood. Hattie had to adjust and make new friends. And, you know, as we finish up last week in fourth grade, so far it has been an amazing experience for her. She has really uh, just taken on the challenges of learning And ironically, she actually got the Nerds Award at school this year because she really seeks to learn. She 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 enjoys it. Um, That's not always that way, right? (laughs) At home at night, there's still you know concerns with homework and just being tired. We still do speech privately, but you know what? One of the things that really attracted us to the school was that she would get a little bit of her life back as a kid. She would be able to spend her days with her reading instruction being done at school. And then, you know, we would have time to add soccer back and dance back or tumbling or, you know, whatever it is that she was interested in. And that's made a big difference. Uh, This last spring, she actually competed at soccer and she just really enjoyed being around the girls and, and just being outdoors. She just really blossomed there and really enjoyed it. It was great to see her enthusiasm and how she was as a teammate. Because as you know, there's more to school and more to, you know, building these, not building, but um, what's the word I'm looking for? Really, you know, parenting our children to be successful adults is more than just academics. And so I want you to remember that. These academic years are difficult. If you've listened to more than one episode, I have told you that. But what I want you to also hear is there are moments along the way where they're going to find their strengths and they're going to lean into those and you should encourage that. And so for us this year, it's been soccer. She has just really enjoyed it and she's just really shown great, you know, um, passion for it. And so we're actually, she's going to be going to a summer camp with uh, her, her, uh, her team this summer. And so she's excited about summer camp. But one of the things we also know with her being dyslexic is that we're at the end of her remediation and learning all those rules that she has to learn for reading. And we see her reading. You know, that's that's been the amazing thing about this journey is 
you know, riding to school in the morning and looking back and seeing she's brought a book with her. I didn't ask her to bring a book, but I look back and she's sitting in the back seat reading a book. Or, you know, you walk through the house and she's sitting on the couch reading a book. You know, those are the things that you know, you, you know you're doing the right thing. And I just love to see her spirit. I love to see the the personality that's developing. And then I love just to to be part of her journey and to support her and what she needs. And it's not all about academics. You know, there's those social and emotional pieces too, the anxiety that goes along with it. There's just many pieces. So that's a little bit about our journey. Uh, I could talk to you much longer about our journey, and this might have been more than you wanted today. But I just wanted to give you a little bit of context about how we came about our dyslexia journey and why I give back to our community. It's so important to me for moms to have a place where they can go and be supported and have that positive interaction. And so that's that's what I'm doing. I'm here to provide and to serve for you. And I'm happy to share my journey and what I'm learning along the way with you. And I'm happy to share my stumbles. And I'm happy to celebrate with you when we have our celebrations. Because there are ups and there are downs, just like with anything. Our kids are going to be successful and they're going to be resilient. And the reason I know that is because you are there in their corner and I'm here in her corner. And we're going to do everything we can not to make it perfect, but to absolutely be here to pick her back up when she stumbles and let her know to stand on her two feet and try again. Because we know that we've got this and we know going into the summer that this is an opportunity for us to, you know, relax and recharge, but also continue on this journey together. And so we're going to continue with our dyslexia, um, our Orton-Gillingham rather uh, tutoring over the summer and our speech over the summer, but we're also going to have some fun. We're going to go to the beach and we're going to have a soccer camp and volleyball camp and visit cousins and just enjoy our summer. But I'm not going anywhere. I'll be here for you this summer. I'm going to have some special things coming on in June. We will round back and give you that episode on the self-care tips for the month of May. I, I do believe you'll enjoy those. So that is a priority that we're working on. And as soon as we can get that the, our other computer up and cooperating, we will release that for you. So thank you for your patience today. But I wanted to provide you, you know, it seemed like very fitting to end the month with you hearing my story and our family story. And I hope you have a fantastic week. I hope you have a wonderful summer. And I will be here in June, and we'll be talking about reading and relaxing and recharging. And I can't wait to share some of the things with you that I think are going to make such a difference going into the school year. So remember, you got this, and I'll see you next week.